Hi guys and welcome to episode 29 of the Sweet Spot on a Farm part 2. If you never listened to this podcast before and just randomly tuned in, you probably have no idea what to expect. Then let me tell you that this is a podcast about natural health. I interview natural health and fitness professionals, organic farmers and food producers, and basically anyone else whose business is somehow involved in supporting our health. We cover topics like organic farming, herbalism, fitness training, natural health therapies, and we also talk about food and share plant-based nutritious recipes that support and nourish our bodies. This episode is the second half of my interview with Alicia Breslan of Umberline Preserves and if you didn't catch the first part I recommend you go back and listen to it because Alicia talks about her company, her inspiration and the food traditions that influence her products and also about how she got into organic farming. In this part, we talk about her trip to India, representing her county as one of the local food producers. We also cover some of the issues small businesses like hers can face. And Alicia shares a lovely tomato-based recipe with us. So I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, all this labeling, I mean, people just don't realize how much work goes into it. And um you know, also you sell your stuff at, at, at the markets and, and you do different events and mm. it's a completely different way of selling yeah. stuff. Are you, was it something that you were prepared for? How did you adjust to that sort of life? Because market life is very different to anything else. Oh, yes, yes, it is different. It's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm quite introverted. I don't really talk much. <laughs> no, the best, the best way I feel is just to get a bucket pair of wellingtons and go out there and just be on my own but on the other hand life is what it is and you can't really do that but when we started markets I I was very nervous each week I was just so nervous uh, how would I talk to these people with my accent this is ridiculous oh I'm gonna be th- they won't understand potatoes patatas tomatoes tomatoes this is this is just not right and they're coming up with all those different names of the cilantro rather than coriander but you learn through it over the years you learn and you find that you have at the back of your head that mode for market Alicia so you press that button in the morning and you just run on and run on <laughs> my sister said to me you know Alicia when you're all you'll be just alone because people won't be you'll be walking around the streets and you'll be talking to everybody this is not gonna work you people would be just running away from you and that's probably what's gonna happen so I'm using as much of that energy now <laughs> so please don't leave me when I'm old <laughs> and talk to me I'm not gonna be loopy but uh, yes market is something that I've learned a lot um, from customers coming in because um, the range of customers that I'm uh, you know, dealing with are the local people with incredible knowledge, some that look for alternative foods. And then St. George's Market and other markets are filled up with people from other parts of the world as well. And they bring a lot of inspiration, motivation and knowledge as well. So you cross-reference that. What you learn from one, you pass on to the other. And it's like a hope with the exchange of the knowledge. And I've noticed my little stall in the corner is like a meeting point for others as well. They come, they meet, I introduce them, they talk together and they, they, they just go on their own ways and they have a nice contact. And it's, it's lovely to learn that too. And if someone wants to have a, a vegetable that they have in their own country and they can find it here, I'll do my best to find it for them. And then others say, oh, what's that? And then we can carry on, exchange recipes, and it's just great. Um, and this is, market is a, a magical place, and I never thought I would be there. 
uh, a veggie woman selling this and just talking and talking to people but I wouldn't really change it. It is amazing how mm-hmm. many people you meet. Like how many people that I had on my podcast, I actually met at St. George's Market. Mm-hmm. Like it's incredible. It's a lovely hope, yeah. It's it's like nice meeting place uh, where people of particular interest come, and sooner or later their paths cross. Yeah, and it's good yeah. to get a first response from the customers as well because if you bring a new product or a new vegetable and you're giving away the samples and you're trying to know the feedback this is the real response from from people so events like little festivals and markets and the monthly artisan markets this is something that i really really enjoy it takes a lot of preparation and you meet different crowds as well and uh, with the regulars it's lovely because you just say hey grab this pot or grab this bottle let me know next week what you think okay yeah okay see ya and with the strangers you get different response too. So this is all part of development or market research. Yeah, market <laughs> professionally, research, there Professionally said. That's so true though. And um, tell me this, you mentioned, uh, we talked a bit about um, quality and got your products are, you can't even, like the quality of your food is just, you know, it's just top notch. And um, I know that a while back you mentioned that you had, um, a great offer to supply your products in much greater quantity mm-hmm. somewhere and you had to decline that offer. Tell me a little bit about that. What happened? Why did you not go for it? Five or six years ago uh, when I started with the diabetic range, um, the the taster of um, or like a buyer from uh, for the sugar-free range of a well-known supermarket came over and they said, you know, listen, we like that jam. It's really good, very little sugar. Uh, well, no added sugar, very little sugar from the fruit. And this is something that we would like to have. But you need to change the labels, <clears throat> which would be okay. But you need to tell, you need to take your name of it and put our name on it. And uh, we would need about 20 ton of it every year. And I was like, of, of that jam only? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, yeah, yeah, because it's going to be nationwide. And I was like, right, okay, well, then I think I would have to say no. And Chims was like, why did you not sign up the contract? And I was like, Shimas, that would be like contract with the devil. Nothing else would be done. It would only be this sort of um, product done for this sort of supermarket and everybody else would be left um, and gone. And if you lose your customers, you're never going to get them back. Or it would take you, apparently, statistically, seven times longer to get them back. What would you do on the market? There is suddenly no other bottles because Alicia is stuck doing this jam all the time. And I've seen people do that as well, taking on the larger contracts because it sounds very good and luxurious and there's a big perspective there. But at the end of the day, you're losing whole range of your small customers, your your, your friends actually, um, and uh, chains of the shops and the retail um, outlets that you've uh, built on it so hard over the years. And if you lose that, it will be very, very hard to come back. Regardless, the production as well. You would need to allocate most of your time to do this one product. So I thought, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I'm just too small. You mm-hmm. would have had yeah, to. You're losing that me. artisan touch, yes. Yeah. So you, you don't become an artisan person now. A couple of years ago, I think there was one big buttery outlet that they said, oh, artisan sausages. And they invest 25 million into a massive place. To me, this isn't artisan anymore. Artisan is something that you have a person who is spending basically 95% doing everything on her own or of his own. This is just a, a product that is out of passion, small batches, uh, made in the smaller premises as well, where the ratio of 
energy and passion put into it uh, is totally different than from mass-produced products. Um, the, there is a very fine line and there is, um, we need to distinguish that. So when we buy products, we, we buy actually that passion and energy and uh, that love that was put into this jar. That's why sometimes people would say, oh, these sausages cost so much, or oh, this jar of honey is that much, or oh, this jam is just ridiculous, four times more than in Asda. Well, I'm sorry, read between the lines, see what's there. If you don't like it, you don't have to buy it. This is your own decision. But if you like something different, and if you like the person who is standing there in that cold uh, they um, selling it for you, think of that person as well and see. It's like me saying, oh, I could make the jam myself. Of course, but this isn't black magic. This is made by humans, for humans. I'm not a wizard and I'm not winding the wand making something. It was made before, it will be made bef uh, after me as well, uh, in the small batches by someone else, and that's that's fine. There's no secret in it. Everybody can do it, and uh, I can make my own bread, I can turn my own butter, I can even weave my own jumper, but why would I? I can give a bit of extra um, support to other artisan fellow who makes it really well. I can exchange that, I can barter. And I can be appreciated by them as well. And I think this little network of, of helping each other out on that sort of um, uh, craftsmanship level is, is very, very good. We're, we're still having a, a large bottle with the big supermarkets and the large outlets. And um, it's important that customers appreciate what we have to offer. And the small batches changing always something new. Um, if you don't want uh, this ingredient, I can make you a batch without that ingredient just to please you. And uh, this is very satisfying if you get that person back. Um, and you can talk to us and you can see what we have uh, changed in the recipes and you can suggest something and we will learn as well from it. The, the, when I was making those uh, pepper sauces, the lady came and she said, you know what, I don't really get much of the cumin and coriander in it. So I fired twice as much into the next batch and they said, like, oh, this is great. This is, has a punch, but it's not too strong. And then you came and you said, oh, you, I don't like molasses in my one. And I said, okay, well, then I'll make you one without molasses. And this is how it works. And we, we all can learn and satisfy each other in the different ways. Um, and I think that's why that contact is nice. And you lose it if you go large production, you, you lose that contact, that direct contact with the person. And uh, yeah, fair enough, you will fill up the shelves, you will wait two years to get your money back. <laughs> and you might still be in the market if you're lucky enough. Do you know, I think it's also much nicer to meet the person who makes the food you're buying because mm. it it's a different kind of relationship with the food you eat. Mm, I would say so, yeah. You know, you you, you get the story. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and you meet the person. This is the person you shake the hand with. With the person, those are the hands who made, who made the food it, yeah. I'm going to eat. You mm -hmm. know, it's it's there's something to it. And and yeah, there's um, I don't know if you remember, there used to be a raw food cafe on um, Lisbon Road years ago, mm -hmm. and they had this really brilliant sign behind the counter. As soon as you walked in and ordered your food, there was this sign. I can't remember the exact words, but it was basically saying, don't ask us why the food here is so expensive. Mm -hmm. Ask why all the other food is so cheap. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly it. what it is yeah. because you What's in don't it? get all this when you go and buy pesto in a supermarket mm -hmm. you're losing it's not just about 
A, the quality, the freshness, the ingredients, the ingredients, but also the relationship with the person who mm. made the the person could be you know, hundreds of miles. If away. it's a person, if it's not a robot if it's or a, a machine, person, yeah. exactly. If it's not a machine, like mm -hmm. it's it doesn't even compare and. No, because you know, the amount of nutrients you get from the jar that you just picked up in a su mm. supermarket in comparison to the nutrient value you get from the jar that you buy from the likes of yourselves that's been freshly made by hand. Mm -hmm. It's it's it's, it's a nice aspect uh, of it, yeah. And we all look into the pockets now uh, twice before we spend every pound. But what's important is, um, it's not nutrition. It's that goodness that goes with that raw um, ingredient like nice proper bacon good uh, batch of eggs lovely just uh, freshly baked um, sourdough and beautiful muffins and tartlets that are just baked that night before they go to the market and the same as with syrups and other things um, that's what the real value and nutrition for our bodies is and the sooner or later that pound actually delivers you more than this 50 or 20p spent on the same amount of product in the supermarket just basically pumps you up and the, the, the product basically ripens under the artificial light without anything, um, you know, built up in nature properly. So that's the difference. But I understand it's hard for people to justify and sometimes they don't want to spend that much. Uh, but um, if they change a bit in their diets, they soon will see the benefits of it. It is a way of thinking, definitely, because at the start you mentioned something really important and I think that's how most people think about food and I used to be that way. I used to think about food as something that just fills your tummy when the tummy is rumbling, you know, just to keep mm -hmm. the tummy quiet. Yeah. Simple fuel. Yeah, just, just, I never thought about food as a fuel that needs to give your body important nutrients mm -hmm. on so many levels needs, yeah. just so your organs and everything else works mm -hmm. the way it should I never thought of that like food was just something to put in my stomach so the stomach satisfied mm -hmm. like nothing else ever mattered and over the years coming through an illness you just realize how much wrong this way of thinking about food is like mm -hmm. we need to think about food as something that needs to be full of nutrients to mm -hmm. give us what the body needs to to yeah and we need to flourish. know the provenance of it as well where the food comes from how it was produced and how it was grown what the environment was um, the food involved and and um, how it was processed as well so i would say just neo-minimalism that's the word that i just like to cling on to just cut the crap and go back to basics and p pick all the simplicity now tell me this <laughs> a, a while back and not that long ago you were representing northern ireland um artisan food in india weren't you tell me about that because it <laughs> well, sounds well, really it's well said but it wasn't nowhere near that <laughs> <laughs> oh come on don't be so modest no i was what actually was representing an agricultural sector of the Band bridge in craigavon borough <laughs> so that <laughs> even sounds better there was a trip organized by the local council and prior to all this sort of brexit havoc we were looking for new uh, markets to promote the region but there were different aspects of the promotion. There was um, communication, labs, uh, workforce, uh, manufacturing, obviously, and engineering, and some products that would have been developed here, and we were trying to find the markets over there. So I thought of that. Why don't I apply for that trip? 
and see if there's any opportunities for the diabetic range. And uh, we had meetings set up over four or five days, very intense trip, not much sightseeing to be honest, but a lovely experience to see totally different place with so much potential. And what I've noticed over there by talking to a few nutritionists and having presentations done at the Chamber of Commerce in Mumbai and Pune, um, I've uh, soon realized there's a good potential for the range of products like my own uh, to enter the market um, because there's a group of um, society that is developing really, really quickly. The Indian economy is growing at the soaring pace at the minute, but also change in their diet and lifestyle has been already implemented over the years and you can see the results of it popping up now so there is a huge amount of diabetics um, being diagnosed every day and there's also problems with digestion and um, with the kids as well so you can see them um, having implemented the western diet and also using a lot of processed foods and the carbs that have been stripped from the natural um, goodness like rice and wheat and everything you see the effects of it coming up now. It's not that it's something that has been done over the year, but it's been picking up uh, quite quickly. And if you think of Indian population and multiply it by thousands, if not hundreds, then you will see the scale of the problem that is there. Um, so the first initial visit was uh, quite quiet. I, I didn't really strike any big deals or anything. It wasn't really my intention either. It was just to learn and educate and see if there is anything to do um, over there. And a um, couple of months later, um, after the visit, the guys from um, Symbiosis University in Pune, they came up with a project that they could run the feasibility market and uh, market report for me. And that's how it all started rolling. So at the minute, I'm building up to a new visit to do some more presentations with uh, guys over there and I'm bringing them samples of the probiotic foods as well which wouldn't be possible to do by sending it on the post there's still a bit of corruption going on and probably the samples would have been stopped at the duty post somewhere so um, we decided to meet up again and run those presentations and see you know, if that has any good effect. So they're, they're running good report. I'm meeting up with a, few, uh, with a few people and bringing more samples over there. So this is another step, which is very exciting as well. That sounds really exciting. Because, yeah, yeah. like, India is a completely different world and, you know, mm. entered that market, not even from, like, a business point of view, but mm. even the research. Yeah, know, th this is this is something that is of a very, very great value and I wouldn't be able to do it myself. You would have to really spend time there. And as a, as a foreign person, there would be always a barrier. You know, they're very enthusiastic. They love to help, but uh, you need to read between the lines as well. Um, so I'm really appreciating the help that I'm getting from the students and everything is being put together. There was a funding for it as well. Uh, so it's great. Um, and that gives me more understanding of that market if I am able to enter this or not. So that's another another nice prospect. Even if it's only for a, for a learning curve and exchanging information with the nutritionist, that would be just something that I never imagined I would have done this year. <laughs> that sounds absolutely amazing. And talking about nutritionists and nutrition, mm. so you sort of touched on it already, but what... What is your diet like? Because you have a family, <laughs> you have two young kids, you have a husband, 
um, you have your family <laughs> visiting often. What is your family cooking like? What, Jesus, what do you that, guys that was the, what do you that, cook for your family? That was the question I was dreading the most. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! <laughs> so, on Monday, um, I just brought out the big pot and I chopped up potatoes and I fried the onions and I've added uh, vegetable stock and I've put some wild carrots and um, about three handfuls of the wild garlic in it and that's what they ate for the next two days okay <laughs> so next day i've done a bit of croutons and i put a swirl of a uh, uh, cream in it and that's what they had a different version so, <laughs> so that's what it is a uh, simple diet basically i live in the kitchen uh, to be honest and i make a lot of stuff over there uh, but to be honest my food is simple as well my mom cooks better my sister is an excellent cook uh, but sometimes I'm a lazy bug and I go for simplicity as well. So there's a lot of um, traditions and things. I'm a soupy person. My husband, Seamus, thinks soup is not a dinner. So there has to be always some sort of roast going on or a bit of uh, meat in the spaghetti as well. Kids love the simple foods too. But there's always a smoothie, there's always a juice and there's always a big basket full of fruit and veggies too. Um, and I, to be honest, I get help from my sisters-in-law too. And they, when they're at home... They take over the dinners too, so I just basically sneak in my plate, get a portion and sneak out. <laughs> so um, I try to use as much of what, what we grow and um, show the boys uh, seasonality of it, because the wild garlic won't be available in September, so it's nice to use it now in different versions. And when I go foraging, I take James with me as well, and then little Anthony, and whatever they learn by mocking about playing and tasting is something that I like them to know. But is there, no, I like simple, simple way of eating myself. Like we would mm -hmm. do a lot of um, stews and curries yeah. using pot seasonal dish. vegetables and just like hot pots are great. And I, I'm with you on the soups, like soups are, mm. soups are amazing. Nourishing too and so easy and light on digestion. And yeah, lovely. totally. Mm -hmm. Like all you need is like we would usually, when we have surplus of some vegetables, I just make up a simple soup recipe fire it in a steamer, then blend it in Nutribullet. If you make your chicken pot one day, then you take out the meats and you do some other dinner the next day, and then that broth, if it's left over, can turn into tomato soup, and then you can reduce it and you have base for the sauce for your spaghetti, if you have time to do it. Sometimes everything is eaten at one go, and then you have to make up a new, <laughs> new option for next day. There's eight of us living on the farm, so there's loads of people. And everybody has different uh, things of... Uh, preference you know the boys like this and the children like that the girls don't like this and it has to be served in the bowl rather than on the plate and uh, <laughs> you know just variety of foods and then the rest goes to the cats <laughs> <laughs> and um, do you have a favorite vegetable I mean it's it's probably seasonal with you I guess yeah it very much so, yeah. Every <laughs> so what's currently on the go for you now what's I your favorite think it's vegetable? the pepper at the minute it's not even seasonal because the, the peppers are finished but because I've been making those different sauces it's the peppers different ways and you know, eating them in the salads, chopped up really finely, mixed with pulses and loads of olive oil and some, um, you know, spices. And then uh, grilling them as well or stuffing them. But to be honest, the favorite one is tomato. When you go to the polytunnel and it's warm and hot and you just have this fruit pulled out of the... Uh, bush or out of the vine and you, you smell it and you just rub it against your trousers and you're just eating straight away and it bursts 
and your top is plastered with little seeds and you think, oh, the hell with it. But the smell of it, the reality of it, and it's just that aroma that you can't get anywhere else is just lovely. So this, um, just taken out of the out of the vine and maybe a bit of salt on the top of it. And would you have a tomato or a pepper recipe that you could share with our listeners? Yeah, a couple of years ago I've made this sort of um, Mediterranean style sauce. So I had loads of tomatoes and I just reduced them down uh, and I passed them through the sieve um, and then I added just roasted peppers and courgettes and aubergines, anything that was there, I put it to the blender, blended it, added um, a bit of smoked paprika, salt, pepper, loads of olive oil, no crap thing but proper olive oil just put it to the jars, pasteurized it for 12 minutes and left it in the cupboard and in the winter time you just open it up and you have it as a dip or as a sauce for your pasta or you add that to your uh, soup as well and it's just lovely, simple thing. Or you can reduce it down further and use it as a marinade and smidge it over uh, pieces of um, chicken or uh, use it as a base and put your fillets of fish in it as well and it's just so versatile but simple you know any, any leftovers from your veggies loads of garlic obviously uh, your uh, rosemary and thyme somewhere so think mediterranean think tomato base and add anything that is there mediterranean style like that sounds gorgeous <laughs> simple yeah you might have to come back to that recipe <laughs> <laughs> you definitely should i'm just thinking mm, nice Soup. Yeah, soup, nice basically. Soup. soup, sauce, dip, anything like that. Yeah, marinate. It it must be hard because you do have two young young children, and and you do and making all these drinks and foods that you are selling at the market. It just takes up so much time. Yeah, I thought it would be great to be both on your own and have liberty of uh, dividing time between your family life and your production. And you know what? Nowhere near. It's twenty four seven food production. And if the kids are clean fed and watered, nappy change, homework done, you're a happy mother. And it's so bad sometimes, but well, what can you do? You, know, you shout for help and you, you sometimes get it, sometimes you don't and you need to adjust. And so sometimes you have to turn into a nighttime mode and cook when everybody's gone to bed and peace and quiet. And um, that has to change as well in my point of view. I'm very bad time management person. The same is with the paperwork as well. When I worked in the office, the paperwork was spot on, but... Uh, when I'm a boss on my own, it all piles up in the plastic bag somewhere and lies there and it just needs to be done at some stage as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm learning every year how to find the right balance between work, family and, you know, development of new things as well. And this is probably the worst curse of every artisan producer. We always think of something new and developing and new ideas and this takes time as well. Um, and it's a hit and miss and it's a production that takes time um, and months of trial balance but um, or trials and errors but um, sometimes you'd be better stuck to the things that work but you can't help yourself this is the problem you know if you if you have this abundance um, of good products and your ideas and your brain keeps going you, you just can't help yourself to to make something new and if you feel like there's something that is missing on the market you're trying to make it as well to see how people react and if people like it lovely if they don't well then you take it off you either evolve into something new or just ditch the whole idea so yeah so is there anything new that's of course. currently of course, in of the course. oh yes 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 it's actually in the butters already but that's for the christmas day <laughs> so, so new things coming up <laughs> can you can you tell can you give us a clue 
What are you? You need to be an adult to have it. (laughs) But you're a big girl, so you'll get a sample. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. So, if people want to buy your product, uh, Mm. where can they currently? Is it just in George's Market, or where can they find your product? It's mainly St. George's Market when I'm there myself, so I can give good advice. But uh, there's a network of uh, good health food shops around Northern Ireland and the South that have been um, taking my products. And also delicatessen, good butchers and uh, cafes, they would have been having it. So if you go on my website, you will see the network of of shops that uh, would have um, the range of products. There is about 30, 30 shops around the province at the minute. Your website, what is your website address? Where can people find you and contact oh, it's you? www.amberlinepreserves.com, so quite easy. Um, the Facebook page works too, so there's Amberline Farm for the farming aspect and then there's um, Amberline Preserves for the jars and you can find me on Messenger and the WhatsApp as well. There's phone number, uh, and the email address as well so you can text me call me i usually like to reply in person um, and if there are any questions or queries i always like to come back to the person as well and and explain it and if you want to speak to alicia in person and or find yourself in um, find yourself in, in belfast at, at yeah. the weekend saturday sunday you can any complaints taken on my chest you know, this is always <laughs> a constructive criticism that there i like there won't be any complaints uh, not when know. it comes to your food <laughs> I hope so. Sometimes, you, you know, you, you get things that don't go right all 100%. You will go the jam that goes moldy and you will get a syrup that finally explodes at some stage. So that's that's okay. And I'm always happy to apologize and reimburse as well and see why it went wrong. Because it, it's important to me. You know, it's just like at home when you bake it, it never rises the same way as the previous batch. So this is something that I'm learning too. I'm only human. I think we're all only human, Alicia, and we completely get it and understand you and totally support you. The amazing roasted Mediterranean veg... God, I can't even say it. Alicia, can you please make up some simpler recipe titles? This is quite a mouthful. Roasted Mediterranean vegetable sauce recipe. Phew, that was difficult. Um, Anyway, uh, this recipe that Alicia was talking about is available to download from our Facebook group page, The Sweet Spot on a Farm, and you will find it in the file section in a PDF form, along with all the rest of the recipes we shared on the podcast to date. You can also find it on Instagram in a JPEG form. And if you like the sound of Alicia's food, um, I recommend you pop into St. George's Market in Belfast if you're base nearby um she's there on saturday or sunday and you can get a jar of something seriously good and if you can't make it to st george's market visit her website www.amberlinepreserves.com for a list of stockists to find one near you and if you just simply want to give her a shout or find out more details about her food that you can't find on the website you can contact her on facebook if you enjoyed this episode please do remember to leave us a comment on SoundCloud or Instagram or even better, rate us on iTunes and leave us a quick review. It would really mean a world to us and it would also help us reach a wider audience. And before I let you go today, I want to invite you to a foraging event that I'm attending this coming Sunday, the 30th of June, 2019. 
It's a lovely afternoon organized by the Wild Sprouts, who are taking us on a foraging walk around the Klandiboy estate. The walk starts at 3pm and concludes with a herbal cocktail and a four-course nutritious dinner prepared by professional nutritionists. How does that sound? If you're interested, you can find the details of the event on their social media, on Facebook at the Wild Sprouts, all one word, or on Instagram with the handle the underscore wild sprouts and that's it for now have a lovely couple of weeks try some of alicia's tasty products you will not regret the expense i promise you and whatever you do stay healthy until next time bye as every week your host is myself Susanna from the sweet spot music by mark j adair and artwork by Gemma o'hagan Thank you for listening.